0: Following is a Journey into Comics Network production. Hey everyone, Andrew here from the Poor Rapport and Foodies Watching Movies, and you are listening to the Best of the Week show, the only place you can listen to the highlights across all the shows on the network this week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show, and remember, don't believe fake news. And here
1: we go. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: you're listening to Journey into Comics.
2: They've started production on episode nine. J.J. Abrams tweeting out bittersweet, starting out this next chapter without Carrie, but thanks to an extraordinary cast and crew, we are ready to go. Grateful for Ryan Johnson and special thanks to George Lucas for creating this incredible world and beginning a story of which we are lucky to be a part of. #Hashtag Nine now here i'm gonna break down this uh this picture that he shared because here's some things i noticed uh, what you can see in the background is finn and ray definitely looking probably on the falcon but then if you look on the reader what the camera's seeing you also see chewbacca so it looks like it's finn ray chewbacca Maybe Poe is there. Maybe not. I, I would assume Poe is probably there somewhere. You just can't see him right now. Uh, it's got, there's a little like logo y thing and it says it's got seven and then nine because obviously um, Mr. JJ J. Abrams has directed seven and nine. So some of the cast and crew have started to tweet out stuff. And we're going to actually cover a lot of this stuff because there's a lot of people talking. Uh, the new Chewbacca. Uh, Junus, I'm gonna. F- I always fuck his name up. Junus Sutamo, Sutamo, Junus Sut- Sutamo. Sorry. Uh, May the force be with you. Hashtag episode nine. John Boyega had saying first day of filming done! Exclamation point. Ryan Johnson just tweets a gif of Han, and he's uh, saluting before he goes onto the Falcon. Anthony Daniels says, Star Wars Episode Nine. spoiler alert, I'm going to need a bigger suit. What a memorable welcome dinner at my favorite restaurant with JJ and KK, uh, Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, sitting down with old faces and new, mine being the oldest. Spoiler alert, too. I had the salmon. <laughs> I love that. Uh, some people, fans and whatnot, uh, everyone looking at this picture right now searching for clues. Yeah, squinting and trying to see something. Another fan saying, more when I see Star Wars Episode Nine has begun filming. And then it's uh, the Kylo Ren saying, more when they're trying to kill uh, Luke. Um, Talkies Network, at Talkies Network on Twitter. We can't wait to see what you have in store for us, JJ. Thank you for closing out the trilogy you started. And Ryan Johnson continued. We know you'll make Carrie proud. Carry on forever. hashtag Carrie Fisher hashtag Star Wars Episode Nine. Kylo approves. Uh, Stephen Camp posted a video. It's a gift from. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was Saturday Night Live uh, bit. Robbie Fox says, welcome to Twitter. JJ, it's a terrible place sometimes, but I love you. Uh, Jenfus Nest says, "I'm unreasonably excited by this tweet, and just want to say that you and Ryan have brought so much joy to my life and really invigorated my love for Star Wars. Thank you so much for what you guys have done. Beautiful words. Um, here's something. Okay, we let's talk about it in kind of order, huh? How about? So they announced the full cast list as well, and uh, let's see. I'm gonna just read it down here." they're going you know, they start they obviously started august 1st uh filming returning cast members include daisy ridley adam driver john boyega oscar isaac lupita nyonga Domhnall gleason carrie marie tran Junus suamato and billy lord joining the cast of episode 9 are naomi Aki and richard e grant who will be joined by veteran star wars actors mark hamill anthony daniels and billy d williams who will reprise his role as lando calrissian the role of Leia Organa will once be again be played by Carrie Fisher using previously unreleased footage from shots for Star Wars The Force Awakens, spoiler alert, as well as shots from The Last Jedi. We desperately loved Carrie Fisher, said Abrams, finding a truly satisfying conclusion to the Skywalker saga without her eluded us. We were never going to recast or use a CG character. With the support and blessing from her daughter, Billy, we have found a way to honor Carrie's legacy and role as Leia in Episode 9 by using unseen footage we shot together in Episode 7 as well as Episode 8. Composer John Williams has scored every chapter in the Star Wars saga since 77 and will return for Episode 9. It will be produced by Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams, and Michelle Rejwan, Executive produced by Callum Green and Jason McGatlin. The crew is uh well, I mean, sure, fuck it. I'll say the crew too. These dudes deserve it. They gotta work their asses off, right? The crew includes Dan Mendel, director of photography, Rick Carter and Kevin Jenkins, co-production designers, Michael Kaplan, costume designer, Neil uh Scanlon, Creature and Droid FX, Marianne Brandon and Stefan Grub for editors. Uh, Roger Guyett for visual effects supervisor, Tommy Gormley as first AD, and Victoria Mahoney as second unit director. Uh, Star Wars Episode Nine will be coming out December of 19. Speaking of December of 19, you know what? Before we go there, let's talk about this Carrie, Carrie Fisher stuff. So yeah, we, they are going to be using footage from those first two movies that she was a part of To fulfill some sort of story arc, which is crazy to think. They filmed enough stuff where they might have maybe at one point thought, well, how are we going to get Carrie out of here? What if? What if we were going to write Carrie off? How would we do it? Let's just film this little scene here just to see how it looks. Let's just film this little scene here to see how that looks. And then ultimately, they filmed everything they fucking needed unintentionally. So Carrie Fisher's brother was actually like, hey, um... As, our, as her family, we are excited uh, and, um, you know, it says, as we, her family, as well as her extended family of fans around the world, so believe Carrie Princess Leia is forever entrenched in the franchise and her indelible presence is fundamental to the film. J.J. J. Abrams understood Carrie's iconic role and he has masterfully recreated this final entry to include this unused and very last footage of Carrie ever taken. Without restoring to cgi or animatronics our family and her fans will look forward to great with great anticipation for this one force will be with us forever uh my personal thoughts i love this i love that there's a way to do this to where you can uh give her a beautiful send-off and honor that character because carrie fisher is such a legacy player, and not just Star Wars, but in so many other things. I mean, she's appeared as uh, in um, many things. One one of her you know smaller but more amazing roles that comes to mind is Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. She plays the nun that picks Jay and Bob up, and it's just it's beautiful little things like that. You know that uh, she was awesome, and it was uh, obviously a bummer to lose her. But for them to find a way to honor her is fucking excellent. Here's somebody we don't have to necessarily honor, but someone who is awesome to have showing up. Because Billy D. Williams, as we said, is reprising his role as Lando. But I'm not the only one excited that Lando is returning. Mark Hamill, at Hamill himself on Twitter, says it's finally fine to admit I'm in nine. Billy D. at RealBDW two. Which is long overdue. No one's ever really gone. Now only 17 months of no comments when asked about it to avoid revealing details or fueling speculation. See you around, kids. And it's a picture of the Episode nine logo, which is just a 9 in the Star Wars thing. You guys know what it looks like. Nothing special. Here's an interesting thought, though. It's possible that Star Wars will be switching up its release date Um Production is officially underway. They've said that it's going to hit theaters in December of 2019. But in December, uh, it's possible that it will not be released on December 20th. It is possible that it would release on December 13th, a week earlier, which would give the film an extra week of steam before the holiday season, like its predecessors before it. It would be again a steamrolling type thing that would just spiral into more and more and more and more and more. It would be a great thing. Uh, I love Star Wars. I love that they made it kind of a Christmas thing. Now it's like because it's like ooh, you think Star Wars, you think Christmas, you think Christmas, you think Star Wars. It kind of goes hand in hand in tandem now. And uh, as a big fan of Star Wars, I you know, it, honestly, can I say something right here on the podcast? I'm going to shout out Tyler McLaughlin. Tyler, we really need a Star Wars podcast on our network, bro, as well as that other awesome thing you're working on. Oh, and if we're shouting people out about awesome things that they're working on, Nick Maxson, you know what to do when you're ready, my friend. All right. So that's, that was me just shouting out people on the network. Last bit of Star Wars information I have here. Star Wars Rogue One writer addresses the back from the last jedi while most star wars fans embrace the last jedi as a defining moment in the saga which set the bar high for challenging director direction of the franchise could begin to explore the film had some detractors who have spent a majority of their time online since the film's release complaining about they how they would have done things gary witta who wrote rogue one a star wars story and the comic book addict adaptation of the last jedi detailed how he might not have made all the same choices as writer director ryan johnson he commended the accomplishments of the film he says i think what you mean by that when you say the fans is actually a very noisy minority of fans would have shared with jedi news about the viewers who don't enjoy the film look i would not necessarily have made Every choice that Ryan made, because I'm not the same person or writer or the fan that he is, but I respect and admire and appreciate and support every choice he did make. The film he wrote is far braver and more mature and more challenging than I could have ever written. The writer nodded or noted. I suspected that I would have written a more fan service driven film that would have appeased some of that noisy minority, but ultimately would have been a less and less important film because of it. Frankly, I'm disgusted by the treatment that Ryan has received. He's not just one of the most talented filmmakers working today, but he's one of the nicest people you could ever hope to meet in any walk of life. And both he and the film have, uh, the film he made, deserve far better. In the months since the release, uh, former fans regularly offered Johnson constructive criticism about things should have gone, uh, but Witta didn't take any of those suggestions into account when it crafting his adaptation. Nothing I did was in any way prompted by fan feedback. I made most of my big creative decisions on the adaptation and started writing before the film was even released. My approach when writing was not to worry about what other people want to see, but what I want to see, and then hope that my own instincts as a Star Wars fan, Star Wars fan are as on point enough that other fans agree with what choices I made. You're not only, you'll not only drive yourself crazy worrying about what fans want, but you'll wind up telling an inferior story. So all of the editorial decisions I made were driven by things I wanted to see, but without upending any of Ryan's talents. Um, man, well said. I don't... Back to *Blast Jedi. It's a fucking great movie. Stop bitching about it. It's also on Netflix. Watch it now if you have a chance. We do have some other news here, folks. Where are we going to start here? This is some big news. Stan Lee is officially no longer signing autographs in public. And here's an official statement. Desert Wind Comics, who hosted an event where Lee was supposed to be signing um says, as many of you know, Stanley has been getting older, and such signing opportunities are getting more rare, and getting comic book signs that are eligible CGC Signature Series grading is becoming more difficult. The exact date and location of this signing will not be announced for security reasons, so we are simply authorized to announce accepting books early, and we'll accept books up to the deadline, so submit early so you don't get caught by surprise and miss the signing. The the price to get a modern-tier book signed and graded is $180. That price includes grading of a modern-tier book, our witnessing and handling fee, and Stan's signing fee. Non-graded comics or raw items like posters and toys are priced beginning at $160 and depending on the size and the value of the item. To be very clear, Stan is 100% not doing any conventions public signings. In the last few years, his well-being has been compromised by people for monetary gain, and that practice is over. His private signings had also been paused for a month while Stan's life gets back to normal and time could be given to review signing deals made by previous people involved in Stan's life. Signing a very small amount of items per week at his discretion, some for Desert Wind, Buller Jack explained, uh, explained Lee was formally tasked with signing hundreds and sometimes thousands of books per day. My concern is for Stan's health and wishes that, and wishes so he signs what he wants when he wants, which is as it always should be. The Spider-Man and Avenger co-creator inspired cons- uh, uh, co-creator inspired concerns from fans after video surfaced in April from a convention appearance showing a fragile Lee struggling to sign multiple autographs in quick succession. Kia Morgan, as we've talked about, has been uh, fired and has multiple restraining orders against him, uh, and he's also uh, been kicked off of Lee's Twitter account where he where Stan now has uh, control himself. <laughs>
3: From the suburbs of Chicago and Illinois, this is The Poor Rapport, with your host,
0: Andrew Poor. This is episode 50 of The Poor Rapport, quite a milestone we're at here, and I'm joined today by a special guest. I'm joined by co-host of Podcaststrophy, Tyler McLaughlin. How are you doing today, Tyler? I'm
4: doing good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing fine. It's kind of a... It's crazy to get to episode 50. I know you're not too far off from it now, too, because you got, what, two more episodes?
4: Uh, Yeah, this week will be episode 49, and then, you know, next week we've got episode 50 coming up. We don't really have any plans, but a milestone nonetheless.
0: Yeah, and I think something's pretty uh, crazy that I was kind of kind of waiting to reveal on episode 50 is that episode 50 is actually the last episode of the poor poor I'm not really going anywhere but it's still weird to kind of close that chapter I'm kind of going in a bit of a different direction I kind of I think I told you ahead of time kind of what's going on mm-hmm. so basically yeah. what's happening is the yeah so basically what's happening is the poor Report is going to split from basically one show that exists now into two shows one show that I'll still focus on. The political news and exclusively that and things going on in the world. And the other thing will be entertainment news, which is more talking about TV shows, movies, just stuff like that. And probably having guests on to talk about kind of the goings on in the world of like entertainment and all of that. So it'll be a interesting change, but it gives the audience a chance to like... If you're sick and tired of political news, which I know some of us are, that you don't have to tune in every week to me to hear me talk about that and actually still get to listen to my show. So it's not too bad. It's probably... Uh, you're probably pretty sick of listening to all that political news. It kind of feels like it's inundated with Facebook and social media and on the TV. And basically, anytime you turn on the news, it's pretty everywhere. Yeah,
4: I... See, I'm in a really weird place politically. And, you know, I, I consider myself for the most part an anarchist, but I'm also very conservative and I, I buy into a lot of liberal ideals at the same time. I'm just I'm just kind of a hodgepodge of of political beliefs and they contradict a lot and you know, it makes me it makes me a little bit less credible at times. I think when I'm when I'm you know, for lack of a better term, debating people because I really, you know, On that note, I really don't like the term debate, especially when politics are involved, because if you and I are debating something and we have an audience, that audience is there to either be convinced by party A or party B. They don't really care about anything that's being discussed. They just want either party A or party B to pitch them something in a way that they like it and they can buy into it. And that's the belief system that they're going to go down. You know, I, I love to have discussions. I love to have arguments, especially when they're not hostile. Um, but, I, you know, I personally, I think one of, the, one of the easiest and quickest ways that we can improve the political climate in the U.S. is just get, away, get, get rid of the political debates, especially during the presidential race.
0: Yeah, I I agree completely. I think it becomes more of just spinning things into a button or a pre-formed statement that they've rehearsed many times over, and it's not really answering the question. They're just like doing it to appease their audience, who they're only playing to. They're not actually debating the topic at hand. They're like, well, that reminds me of this other thing I was talking about, which is this whole 10-minute speech about nothing related to the question asked. Absolutely. And, like, and then they'll get applause at the end, and you're like... That didn't help me at all.
4: Nope, it, and and you know for a fact that there's people in that audience that are keying in on that, but they just they just conform and they agree and they applaud just like everybody else in the audience, and then they, you know, it goes right back to the forging your own path versus the the status quo that I that I talk about so much on Podcastrophy. Um I. To, to your initial point, I'm not really tired of, of the political news because there's, there is so much shit that you have to weed through to actually get to credible information and legitimate topics of discussion or debate or, or however you want to phrase it. Um, what I am tired of is just the media as a whole. I don't, I don't care about Fox News. I don't care about CNN. I don't watch the news at all. If I right. if I find a reporter that I consider at least mildly credible, I will follow what they are reporting on, but that's about it. That's the extent of it. Right, and then uh,
0: every oh, sorry, no jumping well, on you.
4: And then I was going to say, of course, all the clickbaity stuff that we see on Facebook and, and the rest of social media. I mean, you can't at this point in 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 the age that we're in now, you cannot avoid the clickbait. It is everywhere, all day, every day.
0: Right. I mean you scroll through like I have Facebook on my phone, I'll scroll through it and be like there's all these random articles that have a headline that's like, What? And then you open it up and you're like, Oh, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. Like it's just they picked a random line or spun it just enough to get you to be like, What is this going on? Right. And it half and yeah, that's awful. And I feel like that's why I feel like we're in a day with more just because I feel like there's more out there now and we're just or just a little more sensitive to it. We're just kind of seeing it pop up and the same thing with the media. Every media has its own agenda. It's not sitting there. There's no one with a very unbiased. Everyone's going to have some kind of bias in what they're reporting to an extent. There's some right. that do it more than others, but that's why I. It's also ridiculous with the whole political party system. Is that some people are so set with their own party that they'll vote. Top down. Like I don't go to a. Like if I ever when I vote, I don't go there and just check the box of the party that I closely under. I. Usually I research the person Figure out what Person Either party What their personal values What they've said What closely aligns to myself That I'm not gonna be like Well I'm not gonna Throw straight party lines I think they shouldn't even have The party lines on the ballot Because some people just Blindly look D, R Independent I'm just gonna check that box Like no There's Like My dad did uh, Like ran in local government And did some Try and did some state But Because of the Letter next to his name He got Dinged or helped through that It's no one really pay attention to what he actually voted on or what he's an advocate for. It was just people voted the way they've always voted, and that they just voted straight party lines with certain things. And it's right. just not actually learning anything. It's that's how we get into these messes of party politics, which is just dumb, in my opinion. If we just had no political party, people actually have to pay attention to what the person had to say and not just what party they're being represented by.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, and and you know, you you can be really cynical to take that further too, like I am most of the time, you know, it's not necessarily what party you're voting for, it's what uh, it's what corporation you're voting for at the time. You know, people like to l- throw around, uh, throw the weight around of, or throw the oil and uh, gas industry likes to throw their weight around and say, well, that they lobby politicians so much, that's why renewable energy, you know, can't be successful. And, and for the most part, they're not wrong but most people don't realize that the modern the modern medical industry lobbies politicians more than every other industry combined every major industry in the world doesn't put forth the same amount of money as the the United States medical industry
0: yeah i i've seen that it's crazy the amount of money they'll put for actual research development how much they'll put just to better their themselves with administrations with elected officials just to make sure nothing's gonna hinder them with anything they signed to pursue mm-hmm. but yeah i that whole lobbying thing it's ridiculous like because i know all these elected officials are supposed to represent us but they get bought and taken out and given little gifts here and there to try and push their corporate cause and not really go in there to represent us like it takes you back to what it used to be hundreds of years ago when like being a politician was a part-time job and you went and had a regular job the rest of the year
4: yes you didn't have a choice you had to do you had to be a a citizen for you know three quarters of the year and you were only a politician when they needed a politician
0: right like that was the whole thing of being in session because that's when you were there that's when you were on the clock as a senator or a representative whatever and then Mm -hmm. the rest of the year you went back to your family and did your job and be a member of society not even know when the switch happened it's just like One it's like, I'm just going to do this full time for the rest of my life. Right. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And, like, you spoke of, like, you've, um, you're kind of anarchist and you have views kind of on both sides or all kind of across the spectrum when it comes to certain views about certain topics. Is that something that you've kind of developed on your own as, like, you've, as you've grown up with some of it based on, like, your parents being around and what their views are? Because a lot of stuff, like, growing up, you're kind of influenced by your parents and how they're, what they talk about and how their views are.
4: So growing up, uh, especially, you know, like most people, when you become a high school student is when you really, when you really start to label yourself, oh, I'm either a Democrat or I'm a Republican. And, you know, I like the left or the right. That's, that's when it, you know, it's in its most simple uh, aspects at that time. But that, that, I think that's when most of us really start to get in or, start to want to get involved into politics. And when I was in high school, I was very, very left-leaning. You know, I was very anti-conservative. And then, you know, I went to college. I'm a college dropout. And I saw... I've always had a problem with the education system and the public education system. Or, you know, just the education system in general. I have a problem with it because it is so worthless from... K through graduate school, it is a joke. But, you know, once I got to college and, you know, I I had to work, I was working full-time and going to school. And then I dropped out of college so I could work more. And, you know, I've I've been in about four different major industries now. And every time I have a career change, it's like, okay, I need to reevaluate where I sit politically a little bit because... When I was in the construction industry, I was very, very conservative. And then when I went into the manufacturing industry, because of the management system that the company that I worked for ran, it started to be kind of a 50-50 split between left and right. And then the next manufacturing uh, company that I worked for, I went ultra conservative again because their values were so left-leaning I I just it didn't jive with me. And now I'm kind of back in uh I'm a union electrician now, so now my views have to sway a little bit left leaning or the whole ideal of what gives me a paycheck is not you know, I either buy into that ideal a little bit or why am I doing the job? Why do I want that as my career, you know? So I just try to keep an open mind um for the most part because there is a shitstorm of false information and just strong weighted opinions being thrown around very little fact, a lot of the time. And every, I, I think anyone that doesn't do their due diligence and form their own opinions is shoot. It, I mean, they're selling themselves short.
0: Right. I mean, we're all very much individuals. And if we, like you said, you kind of, evolve with your thoughts every time you kind of have to reevaluate mm-hmm. with every stage of life because no one's the same person they were even a year ago everyone has different life spirits that influence how their behaviors are it's the same reason like people who grew up with like a religious upbringing and then in their as they became start of their own person and not like a child like a child of their parents they started having their own thoughts and about all of that and questions beyond what they were just told and it's kind of that same idea, like, you have to kind of keep seeking the, kind of the betterment of yourself, and seeing, like, where you actually lie, like, like, I've grew up, like, my father's very democratic, but he's also has a lot of, kind of, conservative values that I grew up with, and I kind of go back and forth, and in college, the whole libertarian thing was kind of interesting, and then you kind of move on, and after you graduate, and kind of make your own thoughts, and just, there's certain people where it's like, the kind of the extremes of the left and right are always just constantly battling each other and it's just it's not worth it it's not worth your stress to be angry about certain things like that when it's just gotta just keep moving forward
4: right at least attempt to move forward right you don't always have to be making progress but you should always be making the attempt to make
0: progress right because yeah otherwise you're just kind of standing still and not really because when you just become just deaf to other people's viewpoints is when it's just we're just not progressing as a society
4: right well you know we are in the age where my opinion is fact and i don't have to hear your opinion and and that mindset is really really aggravating to me because i i have this mindset that if you if you have a belief i'm not going to try and change it Number one, it, it, it's not my responsibility and it, it's none of my business to try and change your beliefs as long as your belief isn't you know you know some of the you know if you're a Nazi, okay that that's a that's a problem that's, right. a, that's a belief system that is a problem it a
5: man. The
6: is here. Do I have everybody's attention now?
2: Check one, two.
6: Oh, that's tasty.
2: You sound good. You guys sound great. That is
6: a a tasty BB-8. Woo. Delicious drinking on the podcast. Heck yeah, that's the only way to pod, bro. (laughs)
2: We're, We're essentially doing a mini journey into wrestling right now. Welcome to the show. John Tyler Christopher and Matthew Wade, both comic book artists, both have carved their names out in the industry with their own unique style of comic book covers, but we're not here to talk about comics today, guys. Let's talk some wrestling
7: We're going to talk some wrestling
2: Woohoo! What's your uh, Just, just to, so people who are familiar with wrestling But don't know you guys and your preferences Both of you are going to answer this question Top 3 all time and go No particular order
7: <sighs> Macho Man, Bret Hart <sighs> Shawn Michaels
2: Singing to my heart strings, absolutely Flair Oh
6: <sighs> Oh man
2: I was always a fan of Eddie Guerrero, too, man. Oh, uh, yeah. Dude, I saw his second-to-last match, at SmackDown live event. <sighs> uh, it was him, Batista, and Orton, triple threat for the title because Eddie was champ. Or, er, no, Batista at the time was champ. Batista wins with the Batista bomb on Orton, and then after him and Eddie celebrated and danced all around the ring in the arena for like 25 minutes, we were just in the <laughs> crowd like, <laughs> this is great! And then the next week he was dead, and I was very sad. Oh my god. It was like awful.
7: I, I I gotta think of it as two schools. Like, who's the most charismatic, and who's the best technical?
6: Ooh. Well, and that's why my number three pick, or not number, not number three, but my third pick of that would probably be Angle, because I think,
7: technical. much
6: like Flair, like, Guy was just when he wanted to be funny, he was funny. When he wanted to be serious, he was serious. But man, I don't care between Michaels at the WrestleMania match, what was it, 21. Amazing. One of the and,
2: legendary matches of WrestleMania.
6: And his match with with Guerrero is to me one of the most underrated matches. Oh, his his match with Ray.
3: <sighs> yes, also an amazing his Rey match. His Ray
7: Mysterio. I mean, hearing him talk about it just like Ray, Ray was scared that their, their styles were not going to mesh. Oh, and Angle's like, you go all out. Let's work on this. I want to cater. That's the good thing about Kurt Angle is that he always caters to the other guy. Angle's one of those guys that can make anybody look great.
6: Oh, well, like, again, going back to that Guerrero angle match, man, yeah. Like, how much did that it played into both of them as who they were so well? Because mm-hmm. you had the whole thing at the end where he was tying in the ankle lock but Guerrero's shoe boot had gotten loosened. So he
2: pulls the boot off, and I was like, that's pure Eddie Guerrero. And then doesn't yep. he hit angle with the boot and then lays down like he got hit? Yes. And that was yeah. the switch? Yep. I mean, that's classic heel Eddie Guerrero at his finest, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. Um, phenomenal. Top three for me is hard. Because There's just like a wide array of wrestlers I've loved. Uh, Chris Jericho is one I can't ignore, he's one of my all time favorites. Yeah. uh, Michaels obviously is up there, but then it's like, do I say flair? Do I say rock?
7: Well, that's that's why I'm saying like two, there's two there schools. There really is, of that. there yeah. is
2: two schools. Uh, and flair is definitely more the charismatic, uh, he didn't get by on his wrestling skills, no, know, no, he got by on talking and he yeah. was phenomenal at it. But there are guys that definitely bridge the gap, CM Punk. Uh, Jericho, uh, even now with the the elite, which we're gonna probably be talking a little bit about. The
7: elite, the the (laughs) elite, the.
2: Okay, okay, I thought we were gonna keep going, but uh, (laughs) no, dude, I love professional wrestling, and uh, we had riffed that we wanted to do this last year and didn't get a chance to do this. Yeah. So, what do you guys think of the current climate of professional wrestling, and does WWE turn you off after WrestleMania season?
6: It's turned me off before WrestleMania season, to be to be yeah. frank with you. Um, Fair enough, yeah. No, I, like so. Here's the deal, like I, I will admit I, I own the network, so I'm I'm Same. I'm feeding the machine, um, but I watch it for other things. Like I I have not watched Raw or SmackDown, with the exception of unless I hear the uh, SmackDown was amazing. I can't I I don't think I've watched Raw in
2: five years, honestly. Like, Whoa.
6: Yeah, no, I just I. Honestly, I hate Roman Reigns.
2: Same. I Um. mean, there's a point where you could have got him over. I think the first year he had a chance to win the Rumble, and they didn't give it to him, and they gave it to Batista. Right. That's a mistake. And then the next year they try to push him, and then everybody wants Daniel Bryan to win. So when Roman wins, nobody wants that. Right. And then you try to put him over at Mania, and it just doesn't work. They're trying. They're just, make him a fucking heel. Make him a bad
7: dude. Well, it's it's the mentality is that, that that's the guy that they still want to get over. I don't they, think it's going to work at this point. It's not going to work. And, and that's the main reason why WWE doesn't care. They got their money. So they're going to do whatever they want to do. And you're seeing that in Raw and SmackDown is that their storyline are, are so convoluted. And it's so... It's not good storytelling. It isn't.
2: No, they've got. You're, you're doing good the same five
7: matches over and over and over again.
2: Here's a crazy stat for you guys. So, uh, Battleground 2016, Sammy and Kevin Owens had a match. It was supposed to be the last time they'll ever face each other. Of course. Since then, they have had 147 <laughs> singles matches or matches <laughs> against each other, because they immediately both got drafted to SmackDown, immediately got put back into a feud, and it's like. Did you forget what you just told us the last time they're going to battle?
7: Once in a lifetime. Twice. Yeah. (laughs) Two times.
6: Yeah, didn't care about it the first time. Didn't care about it the second time. I actually
2: hated the second time because it cost CM Punk the greatest title reign, uh, maybe in modern history. You know what I'm saying? And uh, had that not happened and he stays with the company through WrestleMania 30. I mean, there's so many things that could have been better if they didn't screw that up. Give the title to Rock for Rock to drop it to Cena. It just it didn't. It didn't line up.
6: It, for, for me, again, like I, under, I, I appreciated the first times like, the value of it, right? Like, it's, yeah. like, it, it's, the, it's the dream match. And, yeah, and then we like Cena was
2: disappointed with the loss and couldn't get over himself. And that's like it was kind yeah. of a good character development for him right. a little bit. But then they just said, okay, we're going to do it again. Well, but,
6: but again, going back to like the problem with it was that with Cena, right? So he loses the match. He's on this like horrible losing streak and it was built for the rocky balboa comeback but the problem was twofold they never actually took cena down he was still john cena throughout the whole situation
7: da, 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 da. Yeah.
6: yeah i wish i couldn't see him and on the on the flip side so like his he, there was no redemption cuz he never went down and he never acted like it's it's the problem that so many faces have now in wrestling like there is no viability to their frustration because, like, I lost a match, but it's cool. I want to smile and high-five people. Like, you don't see that with other people. Like, even in NXT, man. Look at, like, the... Okay. NXT Chicago recently, right? You had the Gargano-Chiampa. Uh, Amazing. Too. Yes. Okay.
7: I saw it live.
6: Shut up. I'm so mad at you. <laughs> man, like, there's how you do it. Chiampa gets booed. Like, legitimately, you hate him Ooh, for all the white, right reasons. There's hot heat in that room that night. Gargano comes out he doesn't come out there and try and lock up with them and let's have a wrestling match. Beats the
8: piss out
6: of him. Oh, my God. They're just, like, throwing dogs. And then, like, they keep escalating and building up and building the match. Like, the, the storytelling in that and the storytelling leading up to it is something you don't see on the main roster anymore. And it's, it's, it, it kills
2: all viability for me with the main roster. I think it's evident that Vince still has a strong hold on the main roster, even though we want to believe H is getting the push to be the guy next. But well, H tell. H
7: H is getting the the, the push on two hundred five live and NXT.
6: And how are those shows doing? Amazing. What's the quality level? So of those? okay, so two
7: fold f- better. And NXT is probably the best product that they have right now. And ever since Hunter took over two hundred five live, it has been phenomenal. Right. They're still not getting to the point where they should be on 205 Live. 205 Live should be the, the Lucha Libre flippy
6: stuff and they're, they what, still don't do that. It should be the Cruiserweight Classic, yes. which was amazing.
2: Yeah. What they need to do is set it up to where, I think they screw up because they want everybody to stick around after SmackDown for 205 Live, and I think they need to capitalize and actually put that before your SmackDown launches, so you warm the crowd up to amazing matches. It should be action. It
7: should be tied in with
2: NXT. Also, that could be another play, or you it should
6: be the lead in or after NXT. Well, I thought that was one of the things that WCW did really well back in the back in the day with Nitro was like you even even if you incorporate it into the show itself, like dude, Raw being three hours is criminal. Yep. It like, sucks. Like I that and again when I said five years, I was just like kind of spitballing there because I do remember the three. I don't know how long it's been three hours, but I I, I kept with it a little bit during the three hour stage. And it was just miserable. And like, that's one of the things that drove me away. And when you have three hours, you, how can you not have time for things? Like Raw is not only the longest show, but it feels like the longest show because nothing happens. The mid, there's no attention to the mid card. And here's an opportunity to sh- like, highlight the cruiserweights and give those amazing matches just like Ray used to do with like all the guys back in WCW. Oh, and man. I
7: think that's what, that was the problem with then why Neville left.
2: Like, yeah. Yeah, well, he's, he, he got the weirdest lack of push. You get the NXT title, and it almost was like if you had an NXT title, when you came up to the main roster, you were getting a push to the main titles, one of the two, and Neville just got kind of pushed to the bottom. <laughs> I, I get well, it. He's a smaller Well, here's, here's dude.
7: exactly what they, they're doing, the exact same thing to uh, draw a draw day.
2: Yes. <sighs> And Almas is an amazing worker. How
6: good were those matches, man, on those takeovers? with the- Oh, yeah.
2: uh, he, the Johnny Gargano match was phenomenal. They, uh,
6: he, he gets the title.
7: He gets called up to the main roster. And he hasn't been on TV except for backstage promotion. Maybe
2: he's nursing an injury.
7: No, Sin Cara is who they want him to face. And Sin Cara is nursing an injury.
2: So they're just having him by his time. Yeah. Give him somebody better. There's better feuds. You yeah. know what? Put Almas. <laughs> almost, almost is
7: a guy that can, can face off against anybody and have a good match. Absolutely. And I did not like him in NXT. But I didn't at first, I respect, but I, me, his he, title
6: reign was unreal. It,
7: it was a spectacular title reign. It really was. When, when, who who did he win the title off of?
2: I'm blanking for a second. He beat, uh, Drew McIntyre. Yeah. So
7: that McIntyre, that's, that's when I first noticed him. Like, really took note. That McIntyre match was great. That was, uh, was that
2: the NXT during show? That was uh, the WrestleMania weekend.
6: That was New Orleans. Yeah. Right. I think it was one of those deals where, like, I, it felt like they got the title on him because McIntyre was getting called up but you know you always hear that people talk about and this is one of the frustrating things it's the whole brass what? ring or like take advantage of when you get the opportunity like bs that they they try and tell the fans which we can smell the bs a mile totally like. but almost was one of those guys that when given the opportunity to roam i did not care about him before he really got the title like it was just like yeah eh, whatever his title reign he put on amazing match he after put on he put match on for amazing
7: matches. he put on a great clinics Curious.
2: So. You were at NXT. We were just talking. Velveteen Dream has got to be the other guy that's just ultra over, right? Oh yeah. Dude, I mean hit that ricochet matchwork. match, amazing.
7: So when when I started watching NXT on the regular, and Velvet, Velveteen Dream came out, I'm just like, this guy has everything. He's got the look. He's got the charisma, and he's got the ring work, like. I am so deathly afraid of this guy getting called up. <laughs> well, he's he's just...
6: going to turn into, like, like with, with, with Velveteen Dream, like, when I first saw the, the, like, when they repackaged him as the Velveteen Dream, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be another, like, you know, adorable Adrian character. or, like, Rico or one of those, like, like okay, you're going to make him the flamboyant. Blah. He has, like, owned it. Yeah. And going with it's a testament to him as a performer how good he's made that character work (laughs) absolutely right so
7: i wasn't going to go to nxt chicago at all i'm like uh eh." but what made me go and buy the tickets was very like the uh i think it was a week or two before nxt that promo between ricochet and velveteen dream Like they did the taped one where he's like, you know, Ricochet's like, yeah, when he was in uh, uh, tough enough, blah blah blah, and then the dream goes, the dream don't remember that, and then they do. (laughs) I'm like, that is, that was, that was great. I loved every minute. That was just like the dream don't remember, Uh, but then Ricochet did that flip, right, out of the ring, and said, "Show me." I'm like, take my money. But Take it right now. This is going to be a five-star match. And it was. I need to be physically there to see this match.
6: Isn't that a testament, though, to like the creative team or the performers? I, I don't know how the structure of like. NXT I don't. I don't works. know. I don't see structure at okay. all. Every feud the Velveteen Dream has had, like, do you remember the the Aleister Black yeah. feud he had, where it was yeah. like, say, say my, my name. name. That's all it was. But yeah. there's a point to the feud that you don't get in other like. Maybe and that's one of the reasons I love all of his matches because and he, he tells that story in the ring on top of the prom, the promos yep. leading up to it that you have an investment in what is going to unfold in I'm, this. I'm I'm
7: invested in Velveteen Dream. I'm starting to invest into Ricochet.
8: We're gonna We're fuck, gonna fuck burn
1: the side of my time.
4: I have worked w- with worse people than Richard Olovich.
1: I'm gonna. You know give me a second here. Give me a second.
4: I gotta get it together. I don't know if he's about to start jacking off or he's actually emotional. <clears throat> Stick I'm, uh, with us. Both.
1: Folks. Both. Both. I will jack both? off. To-
4: we got it. We got a fucking update from the region here. We're oh, talking yeah. about both.
1: <laughs> Draw with both. Both. <laughs> yeah. Both. Both.
4: Both Both Say crayon Crayon Did you say crayon 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 <laughs> I was going to be An English major In college So that <laughs> shit Legitimately does bother
1: me Okay well I'm sorry But I like what, my crayon. You don't like, like Washing sorry. your don't clothes Down at the like crick. Like Can I have a beer what?
2: What's wrong Oh you already Finished the zombie dust Damn. Yeah I'm, I'm Finished finish, I'm tapped too Hoss. Finish the
1: zombie dust Hoss I opened that Over an hour ago do You want another I'll, zombie dust No
4: I'd like an anti-hero you can have an anti-hero, pal.
1: What's that Mountain Dew-looking can?
4: Uh, it's probably a Mountain Dew. Okay, well, <laughs> it's, If you go down to the Dollar General, you can get some of that there Mountain Dew!
1: Okay, what, what do you got that's crazy in there? Uh, I got a Mike's Hard. I don't know why, he, I don't know why you get Mike's <laughs> Hard. It's from
9: Miranda.
1: It's you know, Miranda's. You know what, like, here's a funny story. Here's a funny story. So my dad... When I moved out when I moved out here my dad thought that he would want to bond with me when I came home cuz he was like look my son got his life together he's not doing drugs which that was a lie. And yes, He's not doing as many drugs. No, I was not doing as many drugs my first move out here. But uh Good luck. Uh he asked me he's like hey my dad has always built a car. Okay. He builds it and then sells it. And he I came home one day and my dad looked at me dead fucking serious. I thought he was joking at first. And I was like, "Oh, you're he goes, hey, do you want to go down to the liquor store and get a six pack of Mike's Heart lemonade and work on the car? And I said, Oh. Oh, you're you're not kidding. Yeah, sure. Can I can I get real beer? Oh, you don't need real beer. That shit's got six percent in it. Three of those will tear me up. <laughs> and I was like, holy fuck. Well, shit. it's such
4: I mean, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying though. It's a weird experience. Fucking drinking with oh. your dad and just watching your dad get shit plowed off uh, like my, five years. Mike
1: yeah, Mike's hard. No, lemonade. no,
4: not just. I'm not saying Mike's Heart. I'm just saying like low tolerance for alcohol oh, whatsoever. I know. Because my dad is like a functioning alcoholic at this point. But you know, we went, we flew down for Memorial Day, and him and I fucking tied a couple good ones on, and it's like. I don't drink that much anymore, so my, my tolerance... Normally, when I leave the fucking recording of podcast for you, I'm a little bit fucking buzzed. Me too. And um, <laughs> especially because we're drinking beefy beefier uh, stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. Last time I left with you guys, I was... Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean,
4: it's not hard to do, and it, it tastes good. It does. It tastes good, so you you, you, you want to <coughs> savor the flavor. But, <clears throat> um, you know, it's like I'm looking at my dad, and it's like... I remember when I was a kid, and this guy would, like, fucking chug like a gallon fucking jug of Jägermeister and then slam the thing over his head and then fucking fight ninjas and all kinds of shit. Now it's like, I had a Zima and I'm
1: feeling it. Oh, man. (laughs) Ain't driving home from dinner. (laughs) Or sleeping in the car if you ain't sober enough. You know what I'm saying, though? It's just... Fucking hiding a Zima in his shirt on the way out because he wants to drink one more in the car like be like a
4: badass. It's a fucking... It's a weird experience.
1: It is. It is. Speaking We're of, gonna
4: be those dads I know
1: dude You know what Here, My dad is a uh, hypochondriac And uh, oh, this happened a couple months ago I, We had to go out to my parents house And I was helping my parents do some yard work And my dad comes home He's like yep broke my fucking leg Broke my fucking leg <laughs> And I was like I, I look at my dad and I go what He goes yep Gotta go to the doctor's on Monday. He goes, that leg's broken. I said, you're walking around on it. He goes, oh, it's fucking broke. He goes, I know it's fucking broke. Stepped on it the other day, heard a weird sound, knew it was broken. I said, (laughs) okay. All right. That's all right. Yeah, I don't think your leg's broken, but I'll take your word for it. You are a lot older than me and wiser. And uh, anyway, I did the yard work and I went in and I took a shower and I thought I would scare my dad. And I started screaming, help, help. Help! and I tucked my dick behind me and I ran out into the living room and here comes my dad. He's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's going on? Are you okay? And I said, I lost my dick, and I don't think your leg is broken.
4: <laughs> it's funny that you say are, are our dads the same fuck? Is your dad actually my dad? I don't know. Because my dad's a fucking hypochondriac. Oh, goddamn, dude. My dad has a lot of shit that's legitimately wrong with him, and I and I, I honestly do feel bad for my dad, and that all rhymes, and now I feel like a dumbass. Uh, maybe I should go back to Abercrombie and Rhyme Fitch. the
1: word crayon. Crayon? Crayon. Uh I'm just kidding. Anyway, go on. With I was dadster. really going to
4: go for that. I can rhyme something with crayon. Ran. Crayon? Rayon. Rayon? Rayon. What the fuck is Rayon? Payon. Stop talking, like forever. You've lost speaking privileges. Actually, do us a favor. Stop breathing. Anyway, and it's like, my, my dad actually has a lot of shit that's legitimately wrong with him. Shit that, uh, uh side effects of being in the military for over 20 years and shit that he was exposed to and all kinds of stuff. My dad's got fibromyalgia, something that is an uncurable disease. That a lot of doctors just say there's nothing wrong with you. But you have pain. But fibromyalgia is fucking bad. It is pain in every nerve center on your entire body at the exact same time. My mom's all got day it. day long.
1: It's terrible. Oh, no, it's awful.
4: And it's fucking, it's awful that doctors look at you and like, oh, there's nothing wrong with you, you know? It's fucking fibromyalgia, okay? It's a legitimate thing. But <clears throat> my dad's a fucking hypochondriac too. He called me. Like a month and a half ago. Yep, broke my leg. Same fucking thing. Same conversation. I broke I, I fucking broke my leg today. <laughs> what is wrong with you?
1: Oh dude. My dad kept telling me he had to get his gallbladder removed. And like, you know your gallbladder is like right in here? Yeah, my Yes da-
4: my wife doesn't my, have
1: one. My dad was my dad was like, Yeah he goes, Your cousin, he had the same pain, had his fucking gallbladder removed and he's grabbing his back, and I'm like, Those are your kidneys. He's like, No, not everyone's gallbladders in the same place, son. <laughs> what? <laughs> I swear to God, dude. I was like, "Holy shit! This is why you have worked on cars for the last forty years."
4: Your dad has got to be my fucking. Dad. No,
1: he's so he is so smart that he's stupid. So smart, like he is so smart. You can give him anything that's mechanical, and he can fix it. He can fix it. Hydraulic, diesel, gasoline. You know, two stroke, four strokes. <laughs> I love the strokes, uh, uh, different, different strokes, uh, and he's he can fix it. But I swear to fuck God, he's he's a he's a fucking hypochondriac. Like he just he's the same way. He's just fucking crazy, you know. He tells me that story, and I'm like, dude, everyone's gallbladder is in the same spot. It's not, son. It's not. He goes, I'm gonna have to have it removed. Your cousin came down and looked at it today, and he told me that it is clearly swollen.
4: Uncle Jesse came down and <laughs> looked at it and said. Cousin Cletus had it removed and he's back here.
1: <laughs> oh, I fucking yeah! My dad is a yeah, great guy. I, I love you, man. Best I love friend. my
4: dad to death, and I'm sure you love your I, dad I, I love too. my dad, my best friend. But God fucking damn he it, has, there I, is not something new wrong with you every day. No,
1: and you know what? I put my daughter in the pool. Like this is just two weeks ago. My parents came out, rented a hotel room for my son for his birthday, and they oh, went they nice. kept they kept my daughter. And uh, they had a, like a, a section for like kids, like a little like, kiddie pool, like one foot. And he's like, you better fucking watch her. She's going to drown. She's going to drown. I'm like, dad, she's five years old. And that is a one foot pole. If she drowns, that's not bad parenting. That's on her. That's At that point, she was not. This is survival of the fittest. And clearly my wife's chromosomes overwhelmed mine because I would not drown in a one foot pole. But I know that my wife would. <laughs> also, also love her to death, but she would. She would drown in a... She is that type of woman. You can put her in a round room until there's a dollar in the corner, and she'll swear to God she's going to eventually find it. Okay?
4: You're telling me that she needs water wings when she eats soup.
1: It's sad, yes. <laughs> I gave her a grilled cheese the other day and tomato soup and was terrified of what the end results would be. <laughs>
4: Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the carnage that ensued was inhumane.
1: Oh, my God.
4: <laughs> the humanity. Oh, so many good ways. I'm so glad. Stay. Oh, yeah. I'm I don't so, even care. I'm so
1: glad Loudcast. that my wife decided not to watch this.
4: Title Title of the episode, Cover Your Ears. I love that. Or hold on to your butts. <laughs> Little fucking Jurassic Park homage there. The old Sandy like, L.
1: I I like, why wear shirts with sides?
4: Alan. <laughs> <That one. laughs> I'm going with Alan. <laughs> if you title the episode that, I will not be back.
1: Oh, yes, you
2: will. You got to be back because next week's episode 50.
4: I won't be back.
1: Yes, you will. I like, why wear shirts with sides? Bet me. Tell you, you know what, though? I'm a man of principle. I will principle. tell you this. I will tell you this. <laughs> now that it's 2018. Seriously, I really do. Really, when I say this, I say this not jokingly. That the dad bod is really like your supermodel bod today. Like in normal women. Women have finally caught up to the fact that. I have never
4: not, experienced not that. Literally ever.
1: <laughs> that not all men have.
4: Actually, I take that back. No, seriously. Uh, my wife and I. You know we don't grocery shop separately we don't we don't do everything together because that's one thing that's different about our relationship than most people's our my wife and i are not stuck up on each other's asses 24 hours a day
1: I Think that's, she has her, her own life. living
4: room and i have my own living room just got my own and we we can be apart from each other and i can hang out with my friends she doesn't have friends, but she has the ability to, to go make get friends some. and get some and hang out with them. You should send um, her down
1: to the local Dollar General. Not only do they have a red box, but the people there that make minimum wage. You
4: got are... to like, say it like she did. <laughs> you,
1: you could send her down to the local Dollar General and she could get some <laughs> friends. And it's if she works like the red box. Like red box. <laughs> oh, shit. I got to tell you this. Hold on, hold on. Let me let me finish. OK, my spiel. OK.
4: But, uh, you know. Never once have I ever had to ask her permission to do anything, and she never has to ask me permission to do anything. We have a really good dynamic. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought. What the fuck were we even talking about?
1: About how you and your well, wife... how
4: we're not stuck up each other's ass. Um, What were we talking about before that? Because I legitimately forgot. <laughs> dad bods? Oh, dad bods, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dad bods. Dad bods. So we go... Whenever we shop, we're pretty much always Skyler together. says,
2: No one likes me.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's your fault. Maybe that's something you should work on. Um, <laughs>
1: let yourself go and then I know realize. From experience. And watch how many women will come your way.
4: No, no, no. Okay, so I have let myself go. You know, I've lost since I left uh, my previous, previous job. Oh, I've, I'm the same way. I've lost uh, 55 pounds. So I'm almost half as obese as I was before I started, or Once I started working at my previous, previous job. Um, but everywhere we go, fucking women hit on me right in front of my wife and she just doesn't pay it any mind because she knows that I'm not going to run around on her, but it's like we go to leave and it's either I key in on it or she keys on it on it. And it's gay dudes too. I get hit on by a lot of fucking gay dudes.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to have to say yes, I
2: do too as well. I mean, it's probably the shirts with that, with the sides, Yeah.
4: I haven't worn one of those since 2010, you fuck. You haven't been in the conversation for 45 minutes. Why don't you just go ahead and leave the room?
1: You have been very quiet. Back
4: to back to, back to the parents talking here. The adult, so mm-hmm. to speak.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Miranda, if you're listening, hide your kids.
4: <laughs> hide your wife.
1: <laughs> Everyone is going to get raped up in here.
4: But, uh... Ooh. uh. <laughs> they got real bad real fast. But, uh, no, seriously, I get fucking hit on by people everywhere. Like, we were in fucking Walmart the other day, and there was this creepy fucking cashier lady checking us out. And my, my daughter was throwing a tantrum. So, that is something that I have a very hard time dealing with, especially in public. You couple that with my anxiety, and I just cannot handle it. So, my first response is always, get her out of the fucking cart and take her to the car, because I cannot fucking handle this. Because uh grocery stores is an instant anxiety attack for me anyway. I don't fucking like the grocery store, so my wife fucking scoops up my kid and heads to the gro- or heads to the car, and as soon as my wife is about fifteen foot away, the cashier started hitting on me, like fucking immediately. So how's your day going? You having a you having a bad day? I mean, because she she fucking heard my whole whole exchange with my wife, and I was like, Did you just no. hear
1: what you said? What? She had normal conversation with you, and you just assumed. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no,
4: no. The, it was she, not normal she, conversation. She asked
1: if I found everything in the store all right. <laughs> I knew at that moment. I fucking She angry. wanted to reach this over was, the counter and grab my dick and this start was stroking not that. me. <laughs>
3: On to the topic of tonight's episode or today's episode, or whatever time of day you are listening to this, uh, recently, uh, Mark uh, has decided to start swearing <laughs> like uh, like using the word, well, okay i've I've caught him three or four times now, and the first two times he used the word, properly, which makes me think this is, he, it's, these were not the first times he's done it. I, mean, I feel like he's using these words pretty often. Um, the, and then the last time, it was not something, not a phrase that I say, so I, this is why it leads me to believe he didn't pick it up from me, which I've been hoping he didn't pick it up from me, but it's not a phrase I use. Um, but okay, I'll just I'll walk through each one of them, each incident, and then we can discuss. Can um, you
5: stop staring at me?
3: This is a conversation. We are having a conversation.
5: No, you're you're talking to the audience.
3: No, I'm talking to you, and they are hearing us talking. That's this this that's podcasting, dear. We we are having a conversation. Do not, dear, ever
5: call me dear.
3: <laughs> ever, sweetheart. I'll kill you. So anyway, uh, Mark cursing, which by the way, Scarlett has done it plenty, but. Uh, it's Scarlet only does it. She doesn't just do it out of nowhere. Usually, she'll do it like minutes after she hears us say. She does it
5: out of nowhere all which, the time. I always hear her going, "Damn it!" Whenever she like drops so, something. Okay,
3: yeah, that's see, that's my worst one. I say that a lot around the house. I,
5: we both curse like sailors. I know, about? I know,
3: but that's that's my most common. I get pissed off about stuff, and I uh, my first my first Dumb reaction stuff too. Is, my first reaction is "Damn it" or "God damn it." So. They hear that, that one a lot around the house. But uh, that's so. That's Scarlet. She just says d*** it most of the time. I don't think I've heard her say anything else other than that.
5: Oh, She, she said like the F word and stuff. But, that, that, but I don't that's, think that's what been... she, she says oh, after she hears us say yeah. it.
3: Yeah, oh, I have that video. I'll have to post a video of... Uh, I was playing Wu-Tang Clan in the car with Scarlet one time. And uh, we were listening to Bring the Ruckus and after it was over scarlet said can can we listen to bring the fucking ruckus song so a, yeah there was that one but she, but she didn't but she didn't my point is with scarlet uh she doesn't i don't think she knows what the words mean and i don't think she knows they're bad words necessarily she just hears them used in moments of frustration so that's when she uses them mark knows that they are swear words. He knows they're off limits, and he still has used them. So here's the first one. Uh, his he had football camp a few weeks ago, um, and on the way to camp, I decided to try to pump him up a little bit, get him excited, and you know, get him energized a little. So I played some music that I thought he would like. One of the songs was an Imagine Dragons song, and for whatever reason, he really likes Imagine Dragons and and it worked he was getting pumped, he was getting all hyped up, we got to the parking lot and and uh, we had a few minutes before the thing started so he was just sitting in the in the car listening to it he's nodding his head and he's getting into it and, and then after the song was over he was just like
0: man I love that
3: song, I love that song and then he looks at me and he says do you want me to say it? and I had no idea what he was talking about and I was like say what? he was like do you, do you want me to say it? And I'm like, say what? What are you talking about? And he was like, are you sure? Are you sure you want me to say it? And I was like, I guess, yeah, go ahead and say it. And he goes, I f***ing love that song. And I have to say, I was in absolute shock for a few seconds. Because my seven-year-old son just uh, like, appropriately dropped an F-bomb. Like he knew the context of how to say it, uh he knew how to put the inflection on it, and like so, like I said, I don't believe that was his first time saying that, and I'm not sure where he picked it up or who he says it around or who he uses it around but uh so i I told him right off the bat I was like hey uh i'm <laughs> I'm not gonna tell your mom about this, and I hope to God she doesn't hear this episode um I was like, I'm not gonna tell your mom about this, but don't, don't do that anymore, (laughs) don't, you don't need to be saying that, and, uh, he was like, right, right, okay, yeah, yeah, so, then, let's see, a week or two later, uh, I'm in the kitchen cooking, he's in the living room, playing, uh, Shadows of Mordor, which is his favorite video game, um, and he's playing Shadows of Mordor, and out of nowhere, I just hear, ah, shit. so, I peek my head in the living room, and I'm like, What'd you just say? He was like, "I didn't say anything." I was like, "No," I, but I was like, "I heard you. I know exactly what you said. I'm just giving you another chance to, like, explain it, you know." And he was like, "I said it," and I was like, "Why?" He says, "Well, I'm surrounded by orcs, Dad." And I was like, "Okay, so that's that's curse word number two that he knows how to use appropriately." Um, but then after football practice the other day. Uh, I, I had the dog at football practice with me, and I had her walking around up on the hill trying to get her to go to the bathroom, and she was taking a leak, and Mark walked up while she was peeing, and he looks at me, and he's like, dude, what the shit is she doing? And that's the one that, this is why I don't think he picked it up from me, because I don't say what the shit. I actually, I, I really don't like that phrase. I I think it sounds dumb. But I know plenty of people that say it, so I mean, I know he's heard it somewhere. So again, he he knows how to he knows how to swear because he's heard other people do it before. But uh, so th- those are the stories that I can think of, at least that we've heard f- of the kids. Surprisingly, I don't think I've heard Livy at all.
5: She's too much of a goody two shoes.
3: I know, but like I said, Scarlet Scarlet says the things. I don't think she knows what she's saying half the time. And I don't think Livy at her age knows what she would be saying either, but she still has managed to not say know. anything.
5: I don't know. I think they know.
3: Even at four? Yeah. You think they understand the difference between, like, bad words and...
5: Um Yeah, especially because, like, we yell at them for it.
3: But that's... That, so that...
5: I mean, Livy's probably heard us yell at Scarlett for it.
3: That's the other point of what I wanted to talk about tonight, is how 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 to react to stuff like that because like should we make a big deal out of it should we yell at them for saying stuff like that now it's one thing if they say it and we tell them hey you probably shouldn't say that and then they write back to our face say it again which scarlet has been known to do stuff like that and scarlet's the one that as we're telling her not to do something she will do it again right in our face just to just to let us know that she, she knows exactly what she's doing now that is when I would yell at her for swearing, but like uh, just censorship in general. Like I know, I know we don't want our kids using those words. Um, but do you feel like making a big deal out of it and yelling at them is actually going to stop them, or do you think it'll encourage them to do it when we're not listening?
5: I don't encourage them.
3: So what I don't do
5: you, really care if the kids cuss. The only reason I stop them is because I know, like, at school and stuff, they'll get in trouble.
3: Yeah. And that's the other thing, too. So, my my biggest thing is not necessarily our kids cussing, which I, I don't want our kids cussing just because, I don't know. It's not appropriate for kids, you know? I'm not saying, like, you need to go out of your way to, oh, you never say these words, never, or anything like that. But, I mean, it's... The big thing is there's so even even as an adult you know I know I cuss all the time I, I, I cuss I mean it's probably 50% of my vocabulary most of the time but at the same time I know the appropriate times and places to do it you know to do it when, <laughs> when to say certain things when not to say certain things and as kids I don't think they don't have that filter that's my fear is that we're going to be in a totally inappropriate place, and they're going to start dropping f bombs. That's why I don't want my that's kids I, cussing. That's
5: what I said. I, just, I only yell at Scarlett and them because I don't want them to start doing it in school, right?
3: Stuff. No, and and not, but not just at school. Like I don't. It's not just. I said about, and stuff. I know. I'm, my my point though is just not just places where they're going to get in trouble for it, but places where it's just it's not appropriate. Like I, I don't know. You, you take them to a, a wedding, and they're cursing in front of the Everybody wedding would laugh at it. I guess it depends on the wedding. You know, there's some really prissy weddings where like yeah,
5: but we don't hang out with those kinds of people. I
3: guess not. But I my my point is that there's just there's places where it's just embarrassing if it happens and I, mean, isn't,
5: I don't isn't the whole idea of curse words like a religious thing anyway.
3: I honestly right. don't know. I, I realistically that's not something <laughs> we need to tackle on the mm-hmm. podcast. I mean, according to South Park, it's like I think it was a religious thing because they, in the episode when they finally were allowed to say shit on TV, we're like talking they
5: talking about South they
3: released like a shit real demon life. or something. Is that what even happened? No, I'm, I don't even remember the real episode. Maybe I just made all that up. Anyway, I have no idea why curse words are curse words. I don't know, you know. If you want to speculate, you can comment and tell us what it is, but. My point is that there are times when it's appropriate and times when it's not appropriate, and I don't believe kids have that filter, and they don't know socially when it is okay and when it's not okay, and for that reason, I don't want my kids cussing. But the right way to stop them, is it yelling at them? Is it grounding them? Is it just giving them a little talk? Is it, you know, what do you do to stop them? What do you think? What do you... This, this I think it's better
5: the, to just talk to him and tell them when it is and isn't appropriate to do that.
3: And right? hope, I don't think I don't think it's understand. ever good
5: to punish a kid just by yelling at him without giving him an
3: explanation. Right, and I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, but my point is, like, is yelling even the appropriate thing to do? Like, I know a lot of... And plus,
5: I mean, you got to know your kid, too. you got to know what works.
3: Yeah. Like, for... A, a good, for instance, and I, I hope my mom's not listening to this because I'm about to. I mean, I'm sure she already knows this, but uh, just, just for, you know, full disclosure, uh, my mom was very strict about swearing um, when I was growing up. But to me, as a child, I almost feel like that made it cooler to do, you know, to see if I could get away with it, and you know. By probably about Mark's age, I'm going to say seven, eight years old, I, I have very vivid memories of, you know, sitting on the bus with my friends and we'd, we'd be swearing the whole way to school, just, you know, probably not even using the words the right way, but man, it felt cool, you know? And I feel like that's the opposite of, obviously that was the opposite of what my mom was trying to accomplish when she, when she would yell at us for cussing, but... Um, but at the same time, I don't know if there is a way to stop it. I mean, kids are kids are kids. You know, they're gonna do it whether you want them to or not. They'll just find a way to get away with it. You know. So, I guess that's I don't know. the The appropriate response, in my opinion, is to just talk to them. You know, like you, like you said, talk to them, tell them when it's not right to do, and you know. Just tell them, too, that, you know, I know you hear me say it a lot, but, you know, I, that doesn't mean I want to hear you say it, and, you know, around the house is not an appropriate time to say it either because I don't want to hear it. You know what I mean? Are you going to add anything to this, or are you going to sit there and look at me?
5: I'm going to sit here and look at you.
3: A good good co-hosting.
5: Well, I mean, what else do you want me to say? I mean, I, like I said, I, I don't I'm even, trying to have a conversation with you. I don't you. even really care if the kids cuss...
3: How about uh, censorship in general? You know, uh, what age do they start watching PG-13 movies? What age do they start watching rated R movies? Depends and on
5: your kids. Depends on their maturity.
3: I'd say that's that's a very solid point. Like, I, I at, for a while, was not... I, I wouldn't say I wasn't censoring Mark's video games at all. Um, I kind of kept an eye on what he was playing just because... I don't want him playing something wildly inappropriate. Like, I, at one point... Uh, oh,
5: like Conquer's Bad Fur Day? Yeah, that's
3: what I was just going to bring up. So I have I have some of the retro systems, and we have Conker's Bad Fur Day. And full disclosure, I said that already twice in this episode, full disclosure, I've never played Conker's Bad Fur Day. I didn't know how crazy inappropriate it was. Uh, so Mark saw a game with, like, cartoon characters on it and put it in and i thought nothing of it and ashley came into the room and said you're gonna let him play that and i didn't know what it was so but
5: uh, no that is not how it was that is exactly i told you how exactly how it what it was and you were like oh it doesn't matter He won't know no, what it is no that and is not i i all. you know yeah that's exactly what happened <laughs> i had to fight with you about it because you were still gonna let him play it no
8: It's time for Brews with Dudes. Ah, juicy. Double India Pale Ale? Probably yes. not. Let's no. Start with that. No, it doesn't seem right. It seems... Double Cream Stout? I might, uh, that's wow. good. Sounds all right. A barley wine. Barley. So we've got the Third Coast. Mm.
9: Just look at it. Keep looking. It's a beefy boy. It's a little wet. Got
8: the hop solution.
9: Hop solution. bee
8: Um, for the people watching at home, we're we're showcasing the beers right now. Um, this next one is the special double cream stout. It sounds very very tasty. Let's see what else we got. There's got to be something easy to get us started. The amber. Have you had the amber? You've probably had the amber. Um, Ooh, there's a sour. Should we drink the sour? That's not a good one to start with.
9: Mm, that's a, that's like a middle-of-the-ground or end-of-the-line beer. There's just a bunch of beefy boys in here. It looks, looks like we're just going to get beefy with this.
8: Yeah, there's no way to avoid it, I don't think. All right, so uh, we've got the Kalamazoo Stout, which is brewed with licorice. Mm. Um, the Russian Imperial Stout d- That's just not a good start We cannot start with that um, What? I need to warm up Let's do the Amber Let's do the Amber Get ourselves rolling How's that yeah, sound? Yeah, that sounds really good Who do we got there? David Henderson What's up, David? Um, let's see what we got here Oh Secret drawer Secret bottle opener all right, Austin, are you really texting during the live stream? We're recording a podcast, and god damn it, <laughs> you're really participating. I'm he's, I'm he's really into. He's this commenting episode. on the live stream while participating in the We're getting there, guys. All right, we're getting there. Okay. So I'm gonna pop open this amber rail. Let's get moving.
9: Not be doing metal at Market Square this year we're not even they're very close like it's hard to tell, like I shouted, which
8: probably wasn't heard um we will not be doing metal at Market Square this year. We're doing something new It's not really new at all We're bringing back the hard and heavy so we're gonna have a lot of really fun shows
9: Hope it's heavy and the bands come hard.
8: they're gonna be hard before during and after Paul, I see you looking sideways. All right, if you're drinking at home, cheers. Mmm, it's pretty tasty.
9: That's a very good amber. The lighting in
8: here doesn't do it it justice.
9: It is a, it's a light brown beer, which some may call amber.
8: We may not be very accurate here at Brews with Dudes, but goddamn, do we have fun?
9: We have fun. We encourage you to have fun with us and we enjoy our beer. And we're hoping you're enjoying yours with us too.
8: I hope that that doing this live streaming and also doing it in the podcast there's not things like you know, missing out. Because the poor people listening at home don't get to see us do finger guns. Finger guns. (laughs) And the people on the live stream are. Fuck, man. Just, just giving it. Or, uh, and you were just you're in the town square fighting, it, fighting off.
9: fighting mm. off some bandits that would try to bring us down. Oh my goodness. Um,
8: I'm, I'm I'm honestly grasping here for for how to describe this beer. It's really tasty. Um, it's not very bitter.
9: You know, it's a very. It definitely gives you that. Uh, little twang that an amber will give you at the tail end of it. And it's mm. very light and crisp at the front, and a lot of the uh, flavor is in the main body of the beer. It'd be nice if the
8: R&D department could, like, comment, answering the questions that we're asking. Yeah, we're, hey. we're looking for someone who wants to uh, work in the research and development department.
9: Oh, hey, uh, we can't see it right here in our live feed, but uh, Mr. David Henderson said, hey, let me say Hello.
8: That was a little bit, a little bit up there. What's everyone drinking at home? Is anybody drinking yet? It's what? It's eight o'clock. It's it's eight o'clock. It's time. It's a good time to drink.
9: Couldn't think of too many better times. No. Four twenty-six.
8: That's a good time. Lieutenant uh. now hello there, Drew. Drew Michael. Hope you're doing good. Talking to you twice in one day. What a treat for me. What a treat. Wow. Drew's a super nice guy. He's slapping the bass real good. He uh, plays in a band called Fight Like Sin. And they're pretty awesome. They're supposed to be playing that uh, I Set to Kill show coming up. Not sure if that's going to happen. But we'll definitely have to try to catch him again sometime Paul. soon.
9: Mr. Mister Paul has tea. Paul,
8: you're drinking tea? But it's Wednesday. What's wrong with drinking tea on a Wednesday? It's it's an even better day to drink beer. Finger guns. Mm -mm -mm.
9: (laughs) I'm going to try not to make that a thing.
8: (laughs) I'm going to try to finger gun more often
9: than... Finger guns?
8: Double double banging off. Jacob Thomas, welcome to the fray. Wine Wednesday, Jess. Wine Wednesday. Jordan Bannister. How's it going, sir? I miss you. I just saw that badass uh,
9: video you shared with the, the giant arrowhead. God That went down really easy and smooth. It was definitely a good intro to this uh, selection.
8: Toshiko Labarge joining in. Hello there, ma'am. Thanks again, everybody, for joining in. On uh, this episode of Brews with Dudes, we've been. Uh, this is episode forty two.
9: Forty two.
8: We've only missed a week or two in the in the almost year that we've been doing missed. it. We what should two we two do? Weeks
9: ago didn't we? Yeah, I Mo- think I think
8: it ended up being a Nate picked his like favorite beers that we did and did like a montage of old episodes. A montage. A montage.
9: A montage.
8: Uh, Matt Walker, welcome to the fray. Um... What were we talking about before Matt jumped in mm,
9: missing episodes in a missing
8: montage. episodes oh no episode 50s coming up yeah. so what do, what do you guys think we should do for our 50th episode I think we should do something wild
9: We 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 went pretty hard on a... What we was should it? drink
8: 42 beers he says
9: 42 beers for we could probably do that
8: our 50th oh ooh drink 50 beers on episode 50 we, we, menelect How's it going, my friend? Always good seeing your face.
9: How about we do 99 beer? No, episode 99 no. is going to yeah. be 99 beers on the wall. There we go. I like the idea of 50 beers. That
8: would be fun. We might need a third person, or we might just get really hammered.
9: Sounds like a Friday night. That sounds painful. That sounds like one of those episodes we do right before we send it in to the podfather oh, yeah. to right. post up. <laughs> I know Dr. Dongo and the Podfather love it when we do that.
8: <laughs> Especially when Mr. Dongo has to work in the morning. Yep. Yep. One keg. Ooh, good idea, Sarah. She says we should drink a whole keg. A whole keg?
9: I think we could do that.
8: I think we could do that. A Whole phony keg. <laughs> oh, totally, says Podcaster. If you don't even know what he's talking about.
9: Oh, totally.
8: Welcome, Dick. Dongo.
9: Ten people watching.
8: We should probably keep you guys a little more entertained. We're too we're too we're having too much fun reading your guys' comments.
9: Yeah. Look at all that love. We're getting a lot of it.
8: Here, let's not look up let's let's not look there for a minute. Let's not let's look there for a minute. Let's let's look at each other. Like good old times. When we were just talking to the zoom. We're not doing this right <laughs> now. Oh my god. Sorry,
9: right. sorry, guys. That's that's not how we're going to hey, reveal
8: this. Sam. All right. So, <laughs> should we give the cups a quick rinse and jump on to the next one?
9: Uh, yeah. Here, let me uh, grab up these, and I will be right back. Awesome.
8: Uh, like I said, we are testing out beers from Bell's Brewing, because um, we're doing a tap takeover next weekend. So, we've got a couple different things that we're going to Give a little test run. Um, Yeah, we got a couple different bands playing that show. So you're going to come early, obviously. You know, it's Saturday night, so you're going to come at like 7. We're going to drink a bunch of beers. And then we're going to have a couple different bands play. We've got Zephaniah, Power Metal Gods. Bizarre Noir, uh, just a fucking wild circus act that plays something akin to music. Um, Walk Among Us. Punk rock's only piano tribute man to the Misfits. We've got Eros. Those guys are from here in town. Mr. Kevin Cox and uh, a few other buddies. Uh, Mr. Dickman, I believe. Uh, They say it's noise rock. Uh, The demo is kind of old. Um, I'm I'm excited to hear it, though. I'm excited to hear it. Um, And then we've got uh, my friend Ember. She's coming to do some burlesque, fire breathing, sideshow stuff. It's going to be wild. And then my buddy Patrick's going to be doing some comedy. So it's a little bit of everything. Um, For everyone watching, everyone, it's a little bit of everything. Except Jeff and I. They're going to just blow the hole open. That sounded as bad as I I thought it would. It sounded worse. So what do we think? This double cream?
9: Yeah, let's get creamy with this one.
8: Creamy. So we're going to jump into the special double cream stout. It's a sweet stout. Um, What do they have to say about it? Named for its velvety, smooth, creamy texture, Bell's special double cream stout is brewed with 10 different specialty roasted malts chosen to impart notes of rich mocha and espresso. Dark and sweet tones intermingle with a soft, roasty finish. I'll be the judge of
9: that, I think. Let's get right on in there. I'll be the judge of that, me thinks.
8: I think I already lost the bottle opener. opener. God damn it, it's in his hand. Everything's in his hand. I believe in comedy. I am... I believe in a thing called love. That's what Sarah says. She says she believes in comedy. I'm excited for my buddy Patrick. Um, I feel like every single day he's constantly posting stuff that's like testing to see if it lands. You know what I mean? Like he just says the most ridiculous things. And I can never tell if he's being serious (laughs) or practicing jokes. Um, But he's really funny. I think he describes it as a... um, as he just gets really, really high and talks about being high things. I'm like, I feel like that's a lot of comedy. Just high observations.
9: High observations.
8: Are there any comedians that are sober? Is that a thing? And if they are, are they washed up? Uh, Let us know in the comments below. Gilbert Godfrey? <laughs> I wish I could imitate his voice.
9: Oh, what's your is bud?
8: Alright, you guys ready to dive on into this next one? The special Double Cream Stout from Bells Brewing. Cheers.